Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And I'm Kathy. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And this is your podcast for the first Sunday in Lent, February 21st, 2021. How is everybody doing today? Doing well here. Doing well here too. <laughs> and 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 your your both of your hears uh, are like uh, three feet from each other. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're... <laughs> if there was that much space in here among the cords, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, uh, uh, one of the the, the unseen um, uh, treasures of uh, this pandemic, and honestly, your on, on on your end, unseen to me as well, is uh, all the weird cording that we've and and wiring that we've had to <laughs> to add at our home offices in order to get right. some of this stuff to, to to work and behave, and sometimes not behave. Uh, right, <laughs> all too often. Um, but yeah, so so I've I've a. Uh, uh, this is like I said. This is the first Sunday in Lent, and one of the things that uh, uh, happens before our first Sunday in Lent is actually this uh, this Wednesday. Uh, uh, Bruce and Kathy, will you say a little bit about uh, first what we have going on for Ash Wednesday, and then second what we have going on for the parish as a whole during the Lenten season? Because we've got a we've got some some stuff going on. Yeah, we actually have more stuff going on than we've had in years. Um, almost all of it online, not all of it, but uh, on Wednesday evening um, for Ash Wednesday, we're going to do an experiment and try live streaming a service. Uh, Kathy and I will be up at the altar and Ben will be way, way, way back in the back of the church uh, safely distant from us and off and, camera and, and <laughs> off, camera off camera and mask you're yeah. welcome <laughs> <laughs> um so at 7 p.m we will uh, live stream that service and yeah. you can download the service order from the website holyfamilyfishers.org and you can also ask for ashes to use in your home by contacting myself or uh jolene our communications person can, and you can you could pick those up uh, Tuesday or Wednesday at the church. Uh, so that'll be Wednesday evening. Hopefully the technology is kind to us and the whole experiment is successful. Yeah, we've we've experimented uh, a fair amount with uh, um, streaming while we've recorded. It has not uh, hated us yet. Um, but you know what, uh, technology usually, uh, uh, if it's going to fail us, it's going to fail us when it counts. Uh, so, right. <laughs> so we're going to try it and, uh, uh, uh but, uh, everything seems to be in working order on that. And that'll be a kind of a new additive that we'll be able to in, in the future add to our, uh, church services, um, uh, when we are regularly, uh, meeting in um, our, our our worship space, uh, so right. it's something to to definitely look forward to. Uh, thinking uh, wonderfully, thinking beyond the pandemic uh, uh, to when things have some sense of normalcy. If you are traveling or if you are uh, at home sick with the regular cold, um, you'll be able to uh, in in the future uh, still participate with our our worship service, mm -hmm. and that's the that's definitely the hope. So. Um, uh, looking forward to 
working in that arena and kind of uh, figuring out the little tweaks. Uh, so yeah, this Ash Wednesday, you'll get to see, uh, hopefully, uh, the worst version of it, uh, which should yeah. still be <laughs> of, of live streaming, and because uh, we'll learn. Uh, but uh, and but but uh, pretty 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 fun stuff. Pretty pretty interesting things uh, to be able to have access to. Um, right. uh, for the future what about uh what about the lenten season we've got some stuff going on in in this season of lent uh can you say a little bit about that yeah the umbrella name for the program that you can find on the website is ashes to alleluia and as kathy points out oh you can't say that after wednesday yeah so it'll be you know ashes to um, so, so do we just say ashes uh, the Ashes program, or Ashes, right. to... Ashes to the other end. <laughs> I don't think that's any better. <laughs> I don't know as if I want to say that. <laughs> uh, what, so what, anyway, what program are we doing? <laughs> uh, on first of all, to uh, Kathy's giving the sermon this coming Sunday. That's one mm-hmm. reason she's mm-hmm. participating in our scriptural reflection today. Yeah, and on. Um, this coming Saturday is the first of the parish uh, walking times together where there's a different trail each week and you can see on the website where to go. And we say a little prayer and with our masks on, uh, take a stroll together and uh, it's timed out to last about an hour. So an hour on Saturday morning, then on every Wednesday evening, there'll be a zoom program on everything from how to make palm crosses to different um, ways of cooking vegetarians. And some people do that during Lent and everything in between. All sorts of materials you can download from the website. Um, and on Sunday morning, starting this coming week, there'll be a uh, adult forum, as we call them, at 10 a.m. Uh, live on Zoom about different ways of taking Lenten journeys. Wow. Okay. Um, so, and and there's more than that. Book groups are continuing to meet. The Gospel of Mark groups continuing to meet. All those things are on the website. So, not much. Not much is going on in Lent. <laughs> it's, it's actually much more than we usually offer. But with yeah. people being at home, more volunteers were available to offer more programming. Yeah. It. it uh, uh, having to actually. Um, um, uh, yeah. I don't. I, I don't mean to say uh, imply this. Fl- flippantly but having to come in and put on an actual in-person program is is a is can be a daunting task uh um being able to do things online uh it it, i I have found that there's it's it's uh there's there's a significant uh uh ease to uh the the certain aspects of the program so uh there's I feel as though some online programs are a little bit easier to put together, um, technology excluded. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, 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 that's one of the things that I've noticed during the pandemic is that it, it does open up uh, the kind of the volunteer system. It makes things a lot easier, I think, for some people to to uh, to, to connect on on these kinds of, of things and to participate too. Uh, at less right. time, yeah. less time out of uh, out of our individual uh, lives if it's a uh, hopping on a on a call or or uh, doing something um online uh, as opposed to driving to church so it's it's we're, we're learning through this process i think yeah. uh, quite a lot um 
Speaking of learning things, uh, uh, before uh, before we move on to our lectionary readings, uh, let's learn about a person and see if I if what you know about uh, the person I've chosen for today. Today's person is Joseph Crookshank Talbot. I don't know as if the middle name is important to his notoriety or not. <laughs> don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep the names of my own kids straight. Why would I know this guy? I, I, I'm with you. I have called my children uh, by my sister's names more times than I can count. Um, so uh, Be glad you only have two. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it's easier for them both to feel uh, uh, unrecognized equally. <laughs> But it takes less time to run through the list than in our That house. is true. That is true. So, so, so nothing, nothing Talbot. on Joseph Talbot? Is, Joseph Crookshank Talbot? Can you give me a hint as to what country he served in? Here. In, in the U.S. Okay. Then he's not who I think he is. I concede. I do not remember. He, is, he, he was born in 1816, died in 1883. He was a, the missionary bishop of the Northwest. Um, oh. and, and the reason I picked him is for uh, his, actually his earlier uh, years. So uh, he was born in Alexandria, Virginia, but in 1835 moved to Louisville uh, and was then confirmed in the Episcopal Church. He studied under Bishop Benjamin B. Smith. Uh, he was ordained in 1846. Uh and uh, as a deacon and as priest in 1848 um he organized saint john's church in louisville which i've actually been to uh and he became the rector upon his ordination to the priesthood but in 1853 he moved to indianapolis and became the rector of christ church that's uh, where I know the name from. Oh, I go. should be so embarrassed. I've probably seen his picture on the wall. A billion times since you, that's where you retired from, yeah. Yeah, used to work there. Hey. <laughs> well, you didn't have to add Don't that. Don't tell to the, anybody. You didn't have to add that to the, to the podcast, but it's out there now. Um, but he was then, yeah, so he later was consecrated as bishop, uh, missionary bishop of the Northwest in 1860. Uh, he, um, uh, that includes New Mexico, uh, both Dakotas, Wyoming, Colorado, Utah, uh, Arizona, Montana, and Idaho, uh, covering near, wow, geez, geez nearly 900,000 square miles. Um, wow. Uh, he gave himself the nickname, the loving nickname of Bishop of All Outdoors. <laughs> uh, and then in 1865, he was elected Assistant Bishop of Indianapolis, became the bishop. Uh, in 1872, and he served uh, in that capacity until his death when he died in Indianapolis in 1883. Okay, so, you should have known that too. So then. I should have known that part since <laughs> when I was on the diocesan staff, his picture was just outside my office in the hallway. <laughs> I mean, I'm not here to tell you what you should and should not know, but I chose I chose someone with connections to our. Our, our region uh yeah uh, definitely uh so yeah but yeah you um you threw me off by saying northwest i thought that was alaska well <laughs> and i i was thinking it was wisconsin because back in the day that was 
the the northwest of the Episcopal Church before those western states came to be. But yeah. I didn't realize that was not in congruence with the dates. So I should have realized. Well, and and to be to be fair, uh, while I know rough the, the rough origin of his nickname of Bishop of All Outdoors, which I super love, uh, uh, mi- missionary bishop of the Northwest could be a title that was granted uh, later. You know what I mean? Uh, it doesn't necessarily imply that that was the I, no, office I, held. I, I think that was his official title. Was that the, okay? Yeah, because um, I, I I recognize that that could have been like a, a a a an office that is now that he held at the time, but could have been under a different name. Because yeah, in eighteen in the eighteen hundreds, uh, I don't know how far out the Episcopal Church uh, uh, ran. I know well, it was by the time of the Civil War. It was it really was coast to coast. Coast to coast. Okay, okay. But yeah, so Joseph Crookshank uh, Talbot, which middle name Crookshank, uh, uh, love it. Um, yeah, but, uh, that I, was I, probably his great grandmother's maiden name. It, it's almost piratey. I'm not, I'm not sure yeah. why. <laughs> Crookshank, yeah. Um, or but, or kind of Harry Potterish. You know, yeah. Oh, there you go. You know, yeah. You, you really should be careful. There are still people with that la- with that name. I. <laughs> I, if I gave the imp- impression that it, I was disparaging it, I am not. I super love that. <laughs> That's the name you want. <laughs> exactly. I, 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 I wish I had a cool uh, name like that. That, that is uh, not what I have. Um, but yeah, and, and I would say in, in defense of your, uh, of your not knowing, uh, it's not as though you've met this guy. Uh, uh, no, but it, we've it, each seen his photo. <laughs> sure, sure, but there. <laughs> The Episcopal Church spanning these uh, uh, couple hundred years in the United yeah. States, there's a few portraits on the walls, <laughs> you know, and I mean, it's not like... Uh, That's true. That's and it's true. also not li- as though you have to know the tidbits of information in order for you to work for the diocese. Uh, right. So, um, uh, I, I'm going to go with the defense. His picture was not in color. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, the the artist in you uh, does the artist in you reject the black and white style of uh... um, <laughs> sure yes for the purposes of this defense yes um, well, the, the, the bishop's photos and the dean photos in color are just more eye catching so they, it, they draw, are. it does draw the eye it, it are, are they are, are are they done in in, in actual photos or are they done in like oil paint uh, like oil painting They're, style that well. If they were alive after photography was created, then yeah, they were it's photographs. Black pictures. Well, I'm I, I'm I'm curious. I, I I don't know as if I've necessarily thought about that when I've visited the diocesan offices before. Uh, yeah. And 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 gone down the hallway studying each picture carefully, which I totally would do. Um, as opposed to worry about where I was supposed to go and <laughs> not find who it you in were time, going to meet who and... I was going to meet and what I was going to say and how badly I was going to embarrass myself. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that was our, that, that's our, and I'm sure that there is some, um, uh, some sort of further information that can be found in the form of a book or a biography at so, somewhere, yeah. uh, or even maybe even some uh, Episcopal church literature since he, uh, did serve as Bishop. Um, um, there's, there's probably more well, information than what's contained here in every, this little blurb. In, 
within the diocese, every congregation has a diocesan history book that was produced um, in like uh, 1987 or so. So he's probably in it. So he is in it with a with a black and white picture of him, and so I'll pull. Yeah, I'm, now I'm gonna have to read that. <laughs> So, so, so essentially, because we do have, uh, this is a great time to, to mention it, uh, we do have a, a, a kind of, in essentially like a public library. It's not yeah. super extensive at the church, but it's uh, uh, material that's made available for anybody who would, would like to borrow it and read. Uh, is this book part yeah. of that collection? Okay. Yeah. It, you know, how, uh, people love books like me often remember them by the color and shape. It's, uh, um, it looks from the end sort of like the size of a, medium-sized high school yearbook and it's white mm, okay so so uh yeah if you would like to learn more you're more than welcome to uh to visit uh the, the church at some point in time or, or coordinate uh borrowing the book uh with our yeah. with our office so um we'd, we'd love to share that uh, and 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 have someone study it a little further and then we could ha- ask for a book report on good old uh joseph crookshank talbot i'd love to learn more um, speaking of loving to learn more, segue into our first reading. Nice, why don't, why nice. don't we? Right? Right? Smooth as butter. Um, so our, <laughs> our first reading uh, today is from the book of Genesis chapter 9, verse 8 through 17. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, I establish my covenant with you that that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the, in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Um, so I was initially going to ask, uh, uh, why is this the, you know, how, the we're setting the tone for Lent. Why is this the first reading in the season of Lent? But technically, the Ash Wednesday service is 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 uh, is, is specifically so um, so used by the, the parishes. Every parish has a kind of an Ash Wednesday service. It's really not the opening to Lent. Ash Wednesday is, but still, this is kind of setting the tone as the first Sunday in Lent. Um, why are we going back to the original covenant of of Noah? Is there thinking behind uh, behind this? Mm-hmm. Is is this by design? Oh, I'm sure it's by design. Somebody spent hours putting the lectionary together, probably days, years, weeks. I don't know. Um, for me, I, I think it's a, a wonderful sort of introduction to the Sundays in Lent at the very least, because mm-hmm. um, 
you know, we, we often think of Lent as this deep, dark, treacherous season where monsters are going to jump out from behind the trees and smack us with rocks or it something. It does have a bad and, rap. It does. Yes. Yeah. And, and um, I think that, that this is a good reminder, starting with, with this text, is a good way to remind ourselves that in the end, no matter what we've gone through, God's going to be there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I may have hinted earlier that I'm not much on black and white photos. So, you know, rainbows are cool. There and, you go. Um, and I think it's it's an interesting thing that um, in the midst of this sort of um, gray and white season, as I look out the window, it's, it's the only time I like gray and white, I think, is when it's snowing. But um, God brings a rainbow into the picture. Mm-hmm. Something that contains every color there is to contain and uses that as a way of saying, I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, like it or not, neither are you. Um, we're all in this together. And, you know, there it is. It's um, it's something that we see again and again. Whoever wrote this this Genesis story was pretty genius, I think, in really focusing on that rainbow as a way of saying this is God's forever promise because, you know, we're, we're here, you know, a few thousand years later and um, there won't be one today, I don't suppose. But, you know, again and again through the years, there's, there's always a rainbow. And um, if you know this story, you can't help but kind of turn your face up and, mm-hmm. and, and remember it. Um, yeah, rainbows are forever just like God. And, yeah. um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I can't tell you exactly why the developers of the lectionary put that there, but I know why I would have done it. <laughs> well, hey, uh, uh, in a way that's, uh, that, that's kind of, a that, that, that's, I'd say that's kind of your, your, your job is to say why you would have done it. Uh, right. I mean, you're to, to help us make sense of, uh, of of readings and and uh and and yeah that the the use of the rainbow uh, and i do recognize that i said bow a lot instead of bow uh so uh dumb me was not making no, no, the no. correlation between rainbow and and, and that's the, the shortfall of the english language we ran out of words and so just <laughs> pronounced them differently. <laughs> right um but yeah it, it, the the just just imagining though uh that being a sign of a covenant is it, it, it is very clever because as you pointed out um they they're around a lot and and narratively speaking they you see a rainbow when things are dark and gloomy not when uh not when uh uh things are you know bright and happy right. so uh, well yeah and they're kind of a Rainbows are a threshold moment. They kind Ooh. of bridge that moment between rain and sunshine because you have to have both mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in order to have a rainbow. Right. You, you, you don't get it if you don't have some rain. A dry <laughs> sky will never give you a rainbow. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is that, it, it is that reminder of uh, the darkness passing and the sunshine coming or, 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 or mm-hmm. vice versa. Um, 
reminding us that you know the 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 darkness being the 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 moments that we don't really enjoy in life uh that that might even be uh uh, um undesirable or painful are are fleeting they pass uh and that light will always come at some point in time um so it's it's it is interesting um this passage uh is very repetitive uh uh and i'm wondering i'm trying to remember because i i know that the uh like if it's it, jewish poetry uh, a lot of times repetition comes into play but i don't get the feeling like that's the case here well, i don't it, think this is not poetry so it's you're right that it's it's not as developed as like the poetry in isaiah but it but it is being written poetically Okay. By conveying emphasis by repeating a concept. Mm. Okay. Okay. I got you. So, now. The, so, the, so it is very purposefully repetitive, and to to give us that sense. Oh, okay. Really, pay attention to this. God's saying it twice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the sign of the covenant. Uh, is mentioned. Uh, yeah. Like you said, twice, um, and and a lot of reference to being the everlasting covenant of between God and man, God and every living creature, God and the earth, God, you know? Yeah. Um, um, which is kind of interesting actually, because the, the, uh, we always think of it between as being the covenant of God and man, but in several of these instances, uh, uh, the author is taking care to identify that the covenant kind of holds by all aspects individually as well all all the individual aspects of this covenant between god it's not just hey this is my promise to you as human beings it's also a promise to the earth and it's also a promise to every living creature can Uh, can you can you imagine how disappointing it would have been for noah having spent 40 days in that cacophony of a floating zoo and then have god giggle at the end and say well this was really only for you but you know there's some animals there <laughs> yeah 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 Yeah, they better be important after that ride <laughs> you you two turtle doves i promise to you as well yeah well uh, and, and part of that whole dynamic is the contrast that i think humans almost i don't know how to say it exactly but it seems like no matter how many times God has told us, I'm a nice guy. We always transform God, at least at different moments or eras, as a killer. Mm-hmm. And you know, even today, there are Christian um, preachers and bloggers and stuff who will say COVID is God's revenge on the human race. Or you know, whatever thing they don't like that's going on is God's revenge on the human race. Right. And so part of the placement of this story at the beginning of lent but more importantly at the beginning of the bible because this is in only the ninth chapter of the whole entire bible is to say no that's not who god is god Mm -hmm. has promised not to be anyone who wipes things out so since we don't take the noah story literally it's sort it it's the story of god could but god won't Mm -hmm. 
and so that people don't fall into the trap of well my little god is more powerful because my god will wipe out the world and yours won't and it's like, no no our god could it says so in genesis but refuses to yeah and, and, and that does kind of play out in in many stories uh uh throughout especially throughout the old testament um even though we think of the old testament as kind of the fire and brimstone kind of uh uh, uh section of passages of of the bible uh there it's chock full of examples of individuals uh, uh negotiating with god and and god finding um um space and room to to spare to to uh, uh show compassion to show uh forgiveness as opposed to the uh kind of death and destruction that is is often sometimes remembered uh so it's 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 interesting that that concept has seemingly per, been pervasive uh right for some people and and one of the things that's easy not to notice is that the rainbow um imagery is used probably because many of the gods who were depicted in art as destroyers had a bow in their hands an archery bow and so in this passage god is saying yeah i have a bow but look it's pretty and soft and beautiful and i'm choosing not to use it It, it's going to hang in the sky it's going to be on the wall i'm not going to be carrying it around like those nasty false gods that you think are so cool right oh interesting so see my mispronunciation of the word bow was totally intentional i take it back yeah Take a bow. <laughs> Good one. Which is kind of essentially what God did. Yeah. Put yeah. a rainbow up there, took a bow, and said, That's me. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think that you know, there are there are many times through the years that for one reason or another we, we forget that about God, but you know, of all the times in the church year, in the church calendar that we need to remember this, I think, is this time that we're going into that we so often treat, you know, with sackcloth and ashes, quite, right. quite honestly. And um, I'll, I'll, since we're getting into Ash Wednesday, and I just said sackcloth and ashes, I will say this: um, this this week I read um, a book to my, well, I guess it was already last week, read a book to my granddaughter mm-hmm. about. Um, everything in the world being made of stardust, which is both a lovely theological concept and also the absolute scientific truth. And um, we've talked about that every day since we read it, I think. And um, I'm going into Ash Wednesday this year with a very, a very um, positive outlook, because even though the ashes we have are technically made of palm boughs, um, and those crosses that we have, palm palm branch thingies at um, at Palm Sunday, yeah, that. Mm-hmm. Um, before they were palms, they were stardust, and um, I think stardust and rainbows. You know, I'm, I'm leaving out the unicorns on purpose, but <laughs> the idea that that part of what what's so essential to us as human beings and and living creatures in relationship to God is stardust and rainbows. And I'm take it as you will, but I, I think that's pretty cool. And, yeah. you know, 
I'm not a six-year-old girl. Um, I'm actually fully grown up. And I think um, stardust and rainbows tell us something incredibly wonderful about ourselves and about God and about creativity, not just creation, but creativity. Yeah. Being, being such an essential thing about God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the more, the more that we talk about it, it, it does make sense as we're, we're talking about uh, the kind of the, I, I, I feel like the word gloomy uh, would be apt for the season to describe the season of Lent. It's a little bit, it's a little bit uh, 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 more cloudy, I, I, I suppose. Uh, right. Uh, as far as the season goes, it's certainly not as joyous as, you know, Christmas or, uh, 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 you know, the Easter season. Uh, um, right. But right. but I... this is the this is the moment where uh, this is the great a great time to remind us of a rainbow. Hey, there's yeah. a little. It's a little gloomy and... ahead, but. Remember this covenant. And, Now's the time to remember. And and I, you know, stardust and rainbows don't mean I don't take Lent seriously. I think we need to take Lent seriously because yeah. sort of the time set aside to really evaluate who we are within this covenant. And there's a reason why there was a flood. There's a reason why God said, sorry, dude, we got to start over. You know, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. God started over because it had become otherwise unfixable even for God. And that's pretty scary when you think about it. You know, God God found the only way to fix what the world had become was to start over. And um, that had to be a pretty dark moment for God. And so we do need to take seriously what we've made of the world and who we are in the world and all those things. But I think we can't do that effectively if we let go of everything hopeful. Mm. Yeah, no, I, 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 I mean, if we, if we consider things uh, as, as we do individually, I mean, we've all started over on something, uh, started over on a project. And sure. there's a, there is a sense of, uh, of, you know, reluctance, uh, first, maybe frustration, some sadness involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anybody who's seriously taken on a project and then had to start over, there's that period of, of kind of just, you know, thinking about analyzing and, and figuring out the better, the best way forward. And in a way that I, I suppose that does kind of describe the Lenten season, right? This is like an introspective, uh, uh, consideration, contemplation uh, mm-hmm. period, and we're going through that process, and and that's not always that's not always the happiest process in the world. <laughs> right. No, uh, it's it's not necessarily happy, and it's not necessarily e- easy. But I would say the same as you know when we start over on our human projects for whatever reason of failure, that if we go into it without hope. And mm-hmm. without remembering there is such a thing as a rainbow and remembering what that rainbow is, then um, it's a, it's a, you know, it becomes just a self-flagellation exercise with no, no good result in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, you, can't, you can't be hopeless and suddenly wake up on Easter morning and go, oh, look, the bunny was here, you know. Right, um, right, that's, right. Um, that doesn't make Lent very effective. <laughs> no, no, exactly, exactly. So, um, 
Well, let's move on from uh, fr- from Genesis. Let's keep the uh, the the bow slash bow in the back of our minds, uh, but move on to First uh, Peter chapter three verses eighteen through twenty two, and that reads this way: For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism, which is prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. So this reading in the book of 1 Peter um, is is drawing direct connectivity with the, the, the first reading. Um, so these, these kind of work in tandem. And this is an interesting way uh, uh, to kind of bring in reference uh, he's basically bringing in reference of, of a new of the new covenant uh right i mean this is kind of yeah um mm-hmm. um it, it doesn't directly say those words here nope doesn't but that's that's essentially what he's talking about is that that's the old one of the old covenants and this is uh the, the kind of the new the new covenant uh um not to re- replace uh per se because the rainbows are still there um but uh but but as a, a a new sign this is the one that's tied to jesus christ um what yeah. do we have to say about this passage here well i'm i'm going to say something a little bit radical and then i'm going oh, to say something more obvious please. but not always thought about um radical um you know when um when we read the gospels and and the epistles that um, sometimes followed the Gospels, but more often preceded the Gospels, actually, in terms of writing. Um, as time passes, we always have reason to reinterpret how we understand history. Mm. And mm. I think that happens because in some aspect of, of our society or cultural um, milieu, something radical happens and it forces us to rethink things. Um, you know, suddenly we have this different baptism that may have been, than may have been known before. And it's still the baptism of that holy water, flood water, water of creation, all that mm-hmm. other stuff. But Jesus stood in the river and that made the water different. And that made the significance of it different. And it's not discontinuous with the past, but it's it's as if you bought a bigger flashlight, I guess. And hmm. and you see yep. the corners of things different differently. And it kind of reshapes the contours of how we see life, and in this case, life with God. Um, God does not give up on people who preceded Jesus. Obviously, that would be insane. Um, and God's not insane, usually. Um, but but 
suddenly the 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 waters of the flood get connected to the waters of the river in which Jesus mm -hmm. stood to be baptized and and so it's different it it and we go through life that way i mean we no longer um we no longer think at least i don't think we do that standing out in the cold will cause you to get sick um because it won't germs cause you to get sick we have that we have that whole big understanding and and the interpretation of life had to turn over when whoever it was discovered germs mm -hmm. um and I, I think um, Jesus is sort of like a scientific discovery in that way, that you have to reinterpret what came before because you now know something new. And um, that's probably me talking off the top of my head, but I think there's some sense to it. Um, well, it's not really me talking off the top of my head. I've thought about this before. but um, <laughs> Right, right, right. But, yeah, you, you, yeah, you do yeah. have a degree in this. I do have a degree in this. Hey, what do you know? Yeah, I was going to say, don't sell yourself short here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I did doctoral work in pictures. but um, So yeah, I know it, what I'm talking about. It, it is interesting. It, you do point out, it, it is interesting that the water is kind of the throughway here. Uh, that that, mm -hmm. that uh, th this is there like a long standing kind of tradition of water purification? Is that like a is, is that like kind of like a um, re oh. Oh. religious kind of yeah. thing that's just yeah. regularly it, found? It predates Christianity. Mm -hmm. It predates Judaism. Um, you know. It, Hinduism, I think, is the is the um, the oldest continually existing religion in the world at this point. Mm -hmm. um, not that it was the first religion, but it's the longest still existing. And water is everywhere in Hinduism. I mean, the rivers are mm -hmm. sacred. Um, mm -hmm. They have a ritual. I'm not going to try to explain this because it's really long, but look it up. They have a ritual of washing elephants every year hmm. you know that that bathing of the elephants um in honor of the god ganesh um and you know that's ancient it's really really ancient and it's not essentially a lot different from how we view water as christians so mm -hmm. um and mm -hmm. and there's never been a time where there was life that there wasn't also water and I think we have some primal recognition of that mm -hmm. in in how much we value it, both religiously and practically. Yeah. yeah. I, go ahead. And at this time, um, the time of Jesus and before and after by some de few decades, ritual washing within Judaism was very prevalent so that many homes had ritual baths. That may not be a best term to use but ritual washing places at their entry so that people coming in from the outside world uh, would wash depending on their particular practice at the very least their feet but sometimes their entire selves before entering the house which was seen as one of the sacred spaces in their lives so that's mm -hmm. why in the beginning of the gospel of john um, there's the mention of jesus turning water that was meant for ritual cleansing into wine. And that told you those were huge jugs because mm, you went through a yeah. lot of water doing that. Um, so yeah, sacred rituals around water, as Kathy said, they themselves are ancient, but they also 
were very, very familiar to people who were Jewish at the time of the writing of this letter and to people who were everyday Romans and Greeks and everything else, too, because their various religions often had virtual washing as well. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I suppose that does make sense. I mean, if, if you think about um, elements in everyday life, uh, there, there are only really two things that I can think of that are as tra- or that are transformative in such a, a drastic way. Uh, one of them being water. Uh, uh, not only do you see evidence of of water washing something, literally, you can see uh, uh, you know dirt or grime or, or, or something or even you know something uh, uh, non dirty like a like a, a dye or, or 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 soap suds or you know what have you. You can see that literally wash away. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But it also has the physical attribute on, on, here on Earth of being a very powerful source and, and evident to the human eye, not, not just the, the passage of time carving, you know, a river through rock. But, I mean, you could see a, a, a flood or when rainwater comes through, how quickly and transformatively it, it, uh, it kind of carves a path and creates life through uh, um, uh through plants or, or bringing animals together. The only other transformative uh, um, substance that I, I think even comes close might be fire. And that kind of explains why there's essentially the, the, those two items are, 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 are uh, identified in different religions uh, differently. But the, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, fire is also is, is the other one that, that has such transformative properties. So it, it makes mm-hmm. sense as to why, that might be um, right. a, a focal point um, well, uh, for, for us. And I, I would add wind to that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking out the window and it's snowing right now. And because of the way the, the air is moving, it doesn't look really windy, but there is you know always an air current. And it's taking this snow and it's kind of tossing it back up before it hits the ground. So really the snow is falling twice because of the wind. But... Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a tree right outside this window that a few years ago I, I, I had to rescue and it was quite the, quite the, um, process because it got kind of side heavy on one side. It was a fairly young tree and it got blown over in the wind and it, it was a lot of work to retrim that tree so that it was balanced again and the tree still leans a little bit toward the south um because the wind did that and that's Mm -hmm. that's always going to be a reminder that we had a windstorm when that tree was very young and um i I think Mm. it's no accident that wind and fire have become the symbols for the holy spirit Mm -hmm. um that thing that blows through and reshapes us and clears us i guess like a fire would do you know a fire kind of clears yeah. a space so something new can grow and if you've ever lived in california which i have um for a long time um you know the fires sweep through and they're devastating and they're getting worse all the time but generally a fire is something that begins in re- a renewal process in a forest you know? yeah clears yeah. things away and there are some um some sorts of conifers that won't reproduce unless a fire comes along to kind of pop open their seeds in those various kinds of cones that trees produce. And um, 
Yeah, that's that's so, a huge thing. Yeah. So this this just goes to show me that uh, the band got it wrong. It's it shouldn't be earth, wind, and fire. <laughs> it should just really be water, wind, and fire. Right? Those are the. Tr- what I mean? Come well, on. The, tra- the wind, how the, the transformative wind. is earth really? That's the stardust. <laughs> it's created from stardust, and it's where everything happens. I'm just saying water got short shrift. Uh, it did get yes, short it did. shrift. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Incidentally, great funk band. One of my favorites. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. I have no idea uh, who they are. But that's okay. uh, thanks. I, I'm glad they're a sponsor of our po- Oh, wait. No, they're not. Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, let's move. Let, let's go to the gospel reading then. Uh, here is, yeah. is uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 15. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan and he was with the beasts, uh, the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Sorry, it's wrapped around my leg. <laughs> Sorry, cords. Um, cords, 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 cords are all wrapped around their leg. Um, so, yeah. uh, we've mentioned it before, uh, Man, Mark really does abbreviate these stories a lot. <laughs> yes, um, I, I love I, Mark for that reason. He is like to that to the point. Um, uh, really quick here, uh, though. Um, one question that I want to have uh, ask is what what word is used in chapter thirteen? Tempted by Satan. Uh, generally speaking, we've said that that's like a later trans uh, translation additive. Um, is that oh verse 13 verse 13 yeah. yeah i don't have the greek open today so okay. i can't say for sure and I, okay i don't want to just do it for memory since it's an important question yeah i gotcha i gotcha um so like i said there there are basically three like full-fledged stories here uh that are contained within six verses yeah um yeah. Uh, but we have the, we, we have his baptism. Um, um, you are my son, the beloved, uh, with you, I am well pleased. And real quick, I want to go back to last Transfigur- Transfiguration Sunday. What was the, uh, yeah. Okay. So the, so last Sunday, uh, the, the Transfiguration story, this is my son, the beloved, uh, uh, listen to him. The, the 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 language beloved uh seems interesting to me uh and, and i guess i'm asking a question that i won't get the answer to if you don't have the greek open um um but i'm curious as to that uh title that is used if, if you know anything about it the well, beloved title yeah yeah well it appears in isaiah 42 Mm-hmm. He opened the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is not from memory. Not from memory. I was gonna say, like, dude, that man—that's not very Episcopalian right. of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That, Let's not give credit where it's not due. Right. Uh, <laughs> and of course, now I've I've gone off on my own mental tangent already. Uh, <laughs> so, um, what was your question? <laughs> beloved. Oh, beloved. Tell me a little yeah. bit about uh, yeah. where where that comes from. Um, it it is uh, for two things. One is God doesn't always feel a need to use the sun imagery. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's a way of denoting that special relationship without um, making it necessarily a human analog. Okay. Um, the other thing in this verse, which isn't connected completely with what you just asked, but note transfiguration story and the Mark story. Uh, I'm sorry, baptism story. The In the baptism story, it's you are my son, the beloved. Mm -hmm. And in Transfiguration, it's addressed to the audience. Right. This is my son. The beloved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, because you could, you know, otherwise Jesus is saying, yes, I've heard that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dad, I know. Stop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're embarrassing me in front of my friends. <laughs> We're in carpool. You can't hug me. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's it's a way of broadening our horizons about what this relationship between the incarnate um, aspect of God and the non-incarnate aspect of God is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it could go on for, well, people have gone on for years and years diving into that of Jesus is preexistent before coming to earth uh, and Jesus still being a part of God and and shifted how God experienced the world, but God didn't diminish any while Jesus was walking physically on the earth. All sorts of different things like that. Mm -hmm. um, that, that, that just throwing in this one word, the beloved, um, opens all that up. And like I said, has for centuries. Mm -hmm. um, and, and also, incidentally, as I was yes. having my book open, I did look up the Satan reference, and it is the tempter, which is how it's translated in, I believe it's Mark or, I mean, in Luke, um, as in the um, court jester figure, rather than the source of all evil figure, as many modern Christians interpret the term Satan. Mm, okay. So it's it's... Okay, this is going to sound sacrilegious, but I don't mean it that way. It would be almost as if it was um, the Spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, teased by Satan. And he was with mm. the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. That mm. okay. um, it's, it's almost humorous. It's closer to bullying. But it's not the source of all evil trying to get Jesus to change his allegiance. Gotcha. Interesting. Which is probably why one reason Mark didn't feel like he had to go into detail. Right. Look, it, this, this isn't that big of a deal, guys. Yeah. Um, unlike, why, unlike Matthew and Luke, who do go into detail. Right, right, right. And detail. And detail. <laughs> and lots of lots of detail. Yeah. So 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 Kathy, it seems as though you like the succinctness of uh of of Mark. But I mean these are pretty these are pretty big formative 
deals, right? I mean, uh, uh, him being baptized, uh, uh, being tempted, and then the beginning yeah. of, of of his outward ministry, essentially, is it, it, it sounds as though uh, in, in verse 14, that's Definitely. when he's like, all right, all right, right. I've centered yeah. myself, I've thought about it, and now uh, let's go. And Well, one thing I think is really critical, mm-hmm. and that is um, that after all this, Jesus walked out of the wilderness with good news. Yes. Not with bad mm-hmm. news, not with, oh my goodness, people, wait till you see what's going to happen to you if you follow God like I'm trying to do. You know, all this bad stuff and you're going to get thrown off the top of a building and I don't know, whatever else. You know, those those temptations could have been terrifying. Mm-hmm. And yet he came through them saying, nope, the news is good. Yeah. The news is good. It's very much hmm. like the rainbow after the flood, you know. Um, yeah. Noah didn't didn't have the time to stand there on the mountaintop going, oh, look at all that was destroyed. Because instead, God kind of said, wait, look up there. Look at that rainbow and right. remember me. And Jesus is coming out of this wilderness saying, okay, dude, the news is good. The news is good. And mm-hmm. um, that's what he committed the rest of his life to proclaiming the news is good. And, um, you know, I, th- I think about the wilderness and, and I know that historically we tend to think of wilderness in ancient times, like where Jesus was when Jesus was, um, as something very frightening and this big, deep unknown. But I'm not so sure that's true. I mean, you know, the Bible is full of people with stories wandering through various wildernesses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, very few of them get eaten by bears. <laughs> it's, they, they, come a... out, they come out the other end. So how scary is that? Um, right. And, that, if, and that's a great point, right? And... You know, the wilderness, of course, I've been camping. I know it can be scary, and you sometimes lay there awake all night (laughs) hoping that's a raccoon rattling around outside your tent and not a bear. Um, And usually it's a raccoon. That's just the way it is. But, um, you know, we, we get this image that people were scared to death to walk through the tree line or something, and I don't think that's really true. Um... The wilderness is a place where it's quiet Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and where, you know, in some ways there are fewer distractions as long as you're not afraid of being eaten. But um, it's a place of beauty. And I don't think, I don't think that our general understanding of beauty has changed that much. Yeah, you know, we we think ancient people found something else beautiful, but you know they were every bit as human as we are. And sure, aesthetics and style changes, but ultimately, I think beauty is what beauty is. And mm-hmm. I think it would have been recognized. And yeah, you're out there alone, and um, in in this case, Jesus, not you, actually, Ben, you were not there alone, mm-hmm. <laughs> but Jesus was there, kind of alone. Except we know, we know. That God went with Jesus. You know, there was no way God, Holy Spirit, whichever piece of the Trinity you want to look at, um, 
Jesus was not abandoned to that wilderness. And sure, there was that teasing there, but there was also, on the other side, the strength of God. And, you know, Jesus had just come out of this situation of hearing God, and this would have been prior to, um, to the transfiguration, of course. We get these, it's interesting what order we put things yeah. in, but I mean, it's a circle, so you can't, you can't always decide what goes first, but, right. um, so, you know, this is, this is kind of the Jesus premiere as God's son, God's beloved, which I think we should keep and drop the son part, but, um, this is the one that God has this special tender connection to you know it's not just i love you because you're mine it's i truly do love you and um and that's crucial jesus went into the wilderness after hearing that sound after seeing this dove come tumbling out of a torn heaven what on earth comes to us when the heavens tear right you know, that's a place where we imagine that's where God is, metaphorically speaking. Um, so when that gets torn, what falls down on us? I, I think that would be enough strength to get anybody through 40 days in a wilderness. Um, I, I don't know. That's mm-hmm. I, I was really taken when I did all these readings um, a few days back to get ready for a sermon here. Um, that's the that's the line that just keeps coming to me um he saw the heavens torn apart and i suppose that takes a lot of might and strength and something else but but what a beautiful sight that would be and what an amazing thing i know it happens again at the at the end during the you know at the crucifixion mm-hmm. and then it's not mm-hmm. so pretty but um but this thing it's like Wow, wow! I don't know. That's where all the that's where all the spare rainbows are kept. And, <laughs> and yeah, the stardust yeah. and whatnot. So you know, exactly right. That's well, yeah. And as you pointed out, uh, yeah, the wilderness. I mean, shoot, this is something that we do as a people right now. Uh, we we maybe not for forty days, but uh, people regularly go into the wilderness specifically mm-hmm. with the intention of communing with nature to become contemplative for a period of time. And uh, plenty of us are, are tempted to abandon that and take our cell phone with us or, you know, cut it short uh, uh, and, and get back to civilization and get back to our, uh, what, what we were doing. Um, so in, in a way this is, yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. Like a, this is, this is 40 days of, of, you know, uh, contemplation and getting close to closer to God and preparing himself for, uh, for this ministry that he's going to undertake. Um, and what better, and, 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 and what better way to, to do that than to kind of withdraw for a period of time. And, mm-hmm. es- and especially after having seen, yeah, this, <laughs> the Holy spirit coming down to you, um, yeah, I, I need a minute to process. Yeah. Maybe a little, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I'm sure I would never be called to anything that would require me to process for 40 whole days, but, uh, I'm not oh, going to be called be. to what, you might be. I don't know if I'm going to be called to what, uh, <laughs> to what Jesus was called to. Um, so, uh, but yeah, and, and that would, that would take some time. It would, it would take some, mm-hmm. some, some thought. 
So uh, an interesting way to start this Lenten season uh, with with these stories. Um, mm-hmm. It's a great collection. Yeah. I, yeah. I love these stories. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, then uh, with that, uh, let's wrap up this, your podcast for uh, February 21st, the first Sunday in Lent. Uh, as we said in the front uh, part of the episode, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, so be sure to check out our website uh, with uh, with uh, to see what what might appeal to you and how you might be able to plug in uh, and connect uh, during these next 40 days as we ourselves maybe don't go through the wilderness per se, uh, but you know what, uh, being cooped up in our homes for. Uh, a year plus, maybe it is looking like the wilderness. Um, well, we and, do get uh, to walk, you know, and we do get to walk. So, uh, so, so maybe this is maybe this year it hits a little closer to home. Um, but uh, a lot, like I said, a lot of things going on. Uh, so we encourage you to to uh, uh, connect how how it works for you. Uh, if you have any questions for us uh, or comments or. Uh, um, uh, anything that you want to reach out to us for, you can email us at shortcut at hfec.org. Uh, and, and until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And I'm Kathy, and I will be even beyond next week. <laughs> I hope. And, we'll, and we, I, we sincerely hope that to be true. And uh, we will talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.